thing. Hey, that wasn't. Well, that was terrible. Well, you got to teach me how to do a roll. <laughs> you still haven't taught me how to play drums yet. Uh, is that my responsibility? Yeah, I could barely teach our band how to play anything, let alone you teach <laughs> drums. Oh, that's way easier, I suspect. Yeah, I mean it's way easier than pipes. <laughs> By the way, we're recording, right? Yeah, yeah, we, we are. Okay. Um, hello, everyone. My name is Josh. Welcome to the Chan Rain Podcast. Uh, with me, as always, is my bearded co-host, Mister Andy Fuko. That's me. And if you didn't know, I'm here to let you know that it's a loco show. Uh oh, watch out! Jesus Christ, man, that mic's loud. It's a local show, everybody. That means we're loco drinking, edition. We're drinking four locals, apparently. Uh, and so I'll give you five seconds because it's also explicit to listen to something else. That's five, four, three, two, one. Fuck, 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 mate. fuck, fucking fuck, mate, fuck, mate. <laughs> uh, listeners can review the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, etc. Wherever you listen to podcasts, you can send us emails and voicemails to be played on air. Like us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or if you're Australian, Snapchat, and check out the Channerant store, Channerant.com. It's a it's a website. So, and there's shirts there and sweaters and hoodies and ladies underpants and uh, dildos, <laughs> the exact shape of Fusco's crooked little wang. <laughs> Last but not least, if you want to support the show, the best way to do so is to become a patron at patreon.com slash for $5 a month. You can tune into this live stream and invite and share with your friends. Whew, that was a lot, man. How do you not get tongue tied in doing all that? I got to do it every week, yeah, man. I, I can do it from memory now. <laughs> uh, you know, Josh. Yes, Fusco. You know what really pours a goddamn four loco into my beautiful irish whiskey <laughs> what's that <laughs> when you go to the circle k to to pick up a drink and and the only locals they have is that goddamn blue raspberry nonsense the sour um, blue raz <clears throat> listen i wanted to get i didn't even know this existed i wanted to get something classy like the watermelon flavored one for our special guest but no they had this blue raspberry nonsense so i guess uh, so much for classy Speaking of our special guest, Fusco, would you like to introduce uh, the wonderful gentleman we have on the line for this episode of the show? All right, so our guest this week, who we'll, we'll ignore and talk over many a time, is uh, <laughs> a, a legend in the Australian piping scene, and probably the world, I would say, uh, Mr. Uh, Murray Blair, all the way from Melbourne, Me- Melbourne, Aust- Melbourne, Australia. Melbourne. <laughs> Something like that. I don't know. Uh, Mr. Blair, how are you doing today? I'm well. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being here. We're you're probably well. No, I would say you're probably the classiest guest we've ever had, other than well, that dom- <laughs> the dominatrix we had that one time. She was pretty classy. <laughs> I feel uh, well. Thanks very much. I feel honoured. A little bit um, concerned, but I feel honoured. Thanks. Thanks again. You should be concerned. I I, I I don't. That's that's a healthy. It's a healthy fear. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you don't know what you're getting into, and. We, we shall see how this all goes, but uh, but thanks for coming. We appreciate it. And um, Josh, uh, I don't know where we're at here. In the- uh, we're right in. We're right into it. Um, oh, okay. So, so Murray, uh, for those of us who are uh, a bunch of grade four players in America who may not know your pedigree, uh, do you want to give us like a short bio on yourself? Like tell, tell the wonderful people about what you do? Oh, um, okay. Sure. Um, I'm a pilot from Australia. I... Taught was taught pipes by my father, whose whose father immigrated from Scotland out to Australia in the 1930s. Um, I grew up in a country town, taught in a local band called the Warnable Pipe Band. From there, around about 17 or 18, I moved to Melbourne and I was asked to join the Victoria Police Pipe Band. So, the legendary I, played, I played with the Victoria Police all through the 90s, um, and that sort of was a great uh, experience and a great platform for writing music, um, getting to compete overseas, learning much more about piping, and then off to Scotland. So from there, 
Um, the band was, as I said, a great platform for writing music. I wrote a lot of music for the band. I was involved and I studied audio engineering and that was my uh, formal background and then got involved in recording bagpipes. Um, when the Victoria Police finished up, I moved to Scotland, lived in Scotland for f just on five years, um, learnt a lot more about piping, um, the intricacies of recording and worked for the BBC and um, yeah, it's just led into a, a wide range of things, getting to know people around the world, record pipes, produce pipes in, um, in studios and concerts and also, you know, take the pipe music out into a wider audience as well. Um, being audio engineer, it's just not all about piping, working television and other music production and on the technology side of it as well. So in a nutshell, that's it. And that's where I am now. Okay. That's all really interesting. But one thing we definitely always tend to hit up when we talk to Australians on the show is uh, your grandfather came back, came here, or I'm sorry, came to Australia in the thirties. You said, was he a criminal? Yeah. <laughs> no, my family is a fr were free settlers. So what that oh. means, <laughs> they had a choice. Oh, they oh. had a choice. Well, that's, that's uh, not, he that's he was actually in the British Navy and uh, he was ill and ended up in Australia. Uh, oh, so they just sent before, criminals just and before the ill the war, Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so no, I'm, I'm okay. In the area that I live in in Australia, there weren't, um, there weren't that many uh, uh, people sent. <laughs> without a choice. So I'm in Melbourne, which is down the south. Down right. south, okay. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, like we, we, you know, in, in the States, we send all of our criminals to Florida. Right. Right. Which is down south. Okay. Because <laughs> then, you know, then they eventually it'll just be overtaken by water. And then they open a tiger farm and become famous. Apparently. No, that's Oklahoma. <laughs> I thought they were in Florida. Right. I don't know where they are. Well, if you know, if you know Australian <laughs> geography, um, up the north of Australia, there's lots of things like crocodiles and snakes and lots Ooh. of spiders. Actually, there's snakes and spiders everywhere, but the, the really, really dangerous ones are more in the north, particularly crocodiles and um, buffaloes and all sorts of things that... Uh, yeah, good luck to yourself if you go up there. I think that's where Honey Bourbon's from, is up north. Is Boo Boo, Boo, Boo from up north? That's where his accent is from. I have no idea. <laughs> He's a real hillbilly, we, we know. <clears throat> plays with, um, what's that band he plays with? Uh, Hawthorne. Where are they based out of? I forget. Well, they're actually based in Melbourne, where I am. Oh, that's right. He lives um, in Melbourne. So, so, so Melbourne's got about four million people. Um, there's a lot of bands in this area. Not as many as there used to be, but um, yeah, they're, they're around here too. So one thing in your bio that you didn't mention is that you were were and maybe still are, and that's we'll get to the bottom of that, I suppose, in a second here, but you were a prolific tune writer for a long time. Right? Yeah, through the 90s the, um, in the Victoria Police, it, we never set out to write tunes or whatever, but um, it was just a motivating time. So there was a number of, of us in the band who wrote tunes, Mark Saul, myself, um, Ian Lyons, uh, and other guest pipers like Brian Lemon. So we had great opportunities in, in having a platform to deliver that music, being the Victoria Police. I mean, it's ideal. You've got a good sounding band and they can deliver the music with a drum corps to back it. And you could work closely with the drum corps in, in working on ensemble pieces and highlighting certain bars in the music to emphasize. Um, out of that, the band picked up and it's a pretty brutal process taking a tune to a band and getting, you know, 17 or 18 other people to give you an opinion of if they like the tune or not. Um, you got to, you got to sort of have some hard skin at times. And I guess myself and Mark Saul were 
able to deliver a lot of the music in the band. And from that, yeah, we, we got book deals, publishing deals, and then, you know, the tunes were recorded. And I think one of the biggest highlights uh, in that process was, you know, you go to the World Pipe Band Championships and a year after you've, you've played there and you've played new tunes, so you look in the program and other bands may have picked up that tune and then decided to play that as well. And you get a real buzz out of that. That's really cool. So, yeah, able to write a lot of tunes. Um, a lot of tunes fell underneath the table too because they didn't really pass the uh, the uh, sniff test from some of the other guys in the band. But, uh, <laughs> didn't, didn't pass muster? <laughs> they, they might have been having a bad day or maybe I was just delusional <laughs> with the thought of some of the tunes. But it was a great opportunity, yeah. Uh, you mentioned book deals and production deals and all that. So that does that mean you're rich now? What was that? Sorry, I said you mentioned book deals and production deals when all this happened. And does that mean you're rich now? Oh no! Oh no! We signed <laughs> up these deals when we were very young, without any reading, any fine print. Oh, oh, that's right. And you're also a piper, so you must <laughs> be broke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> name name the books. I mean, book, books name are the popular. richest piper you know. <laughs> exactly. I I'm mean, sure. books are popular, but I don't think. Well, I can't speak for anyone else, but it's not really a thing to think I'm going to buy a house by putting out a book. It's actually sharing your music and getting other people to play. And you get, you do get some money, but it depends on the deal. I mean, it's like the music industry. you really got to read the fine print. And at a younger age, maybe you don't read that fine print so well. Right, you're just excited to be somebody who's paying attention to you, so you're like, fuck it, I'll just do it. <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, that kind of that kind of segues. So, um, you know, you, you have a actually – fairly decent career as a, an audio engineer and you've produced a lot of the CDs that came out of Victoria police. He's right? produced so many of them, like major like pipe band CDs and even soloists that you, like I had no idea until I looked into like his background, I'm like, Oh shit, he did a lot of shit. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm actually, I'm very interested because I, uh, you know, as a, as an audio nerd, um, what are some of the differences you found with trying to record pipe music, trying to match that to non pipe instruments, more concert focused instruments? Like how, how do you kind of, what's the secret sauce that uh, kind of makes that work? Well, I think, uh, I think audio guys and girls who are pipers hear frequencies a little bit differently. If you go in a general studio, most, most audio engineers will get rid of the frequencies in the EQ that the pipers like. So I think that's our advantage of being pipers, that we leave those frequencies in there. Um, the thing I've noticed over since I started recording is the pitch gone higher definitely has affected audio gear. I mean, digital equipment is, have got some great preamps and things like that, but at that high pitch that the pipes at, all the digital equipment can send, tend to sound quite raspy. So maybe 15 years ago, you, we were getting better recordings because the equipment didn't have to work so hard, where now is you, you really have to adapt and try and put some depth into your recordings. The secret source to me is trying to record everything as live as possible without any coloration of the sound. So if we're in a you know echoey room, well, let's not try and record all the echoes, but be true to the actual sound of the pipe without getting in there and um, changing it too much. Yeah, I mean, some of the bands, I remember when we were uh, at the Worlds, what, two years ago now? Th almost three. <laughs> almost three years ago now. And it was like, I mean, some of these bands were like, what, 490, 496? Like, it was, in, or I mean, sorry, 790, 796. It was insane. The dogs were barking, like, <laughs> glass was breaking. 
Yeah, yeah. You take that example into like the Glasgow Concert Hall, where um, it, it's generally quite warm in that hall, even though there's air conditioning on the stage. But the bands are getting so big, uh, so many musicians on stage, tenor drums, you know, nine or ten tenor drums, big drum cores, then put in extra musicians, guitarists, fiddle players, keyboard players, and they've got to get up to that 489, 490. So it's, it's a tough challenge for them on the night to, to pull it all together. Have, have you ever been the engineer or the producer for any of those those uh, yearly concerts they do there? Yeah, I think I've I think I've done nearly fifteen of them. Oh my god! Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, so, do they still? Um, they don't really produce the CD anymore, though, right? Uh, do they have, or do the individual bands produce their own CDs for those now? Well, individual bands more so, and that's the change in the industry as well because the proliferation of YouTube and Facebook and everything coming on online, there is really no commercial. Um, availability or, or viability in making a recording happen. It, it's a lot of money to hire the concert hall. It's a lot of money to record these concerts and use the best equipment we possibly can so that you can hear it really well in five or ten years' time. But it doesn't cost much just to put the cell phone up and record it. So that's <laughs> that's where it sort of happens a little bit. It, it's, yeah, it, it's not overly viable. It's probably good for the archives, though to have these things. Right. And that's why organizations like the BBC recording of that are really important still, because they go in there and record it well. Correct. So it's there yeah. forever. Not yeah. to mention the fact that the cell phone audio is crap and the video is vertical. Right. <laughs> because nobody can, nobody can figure <laughs> nobody out. Nobody can turn their fucking phone. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. True. Is your TV True. on its side, jackass? <laughs> no. Is your computer screen for that matter? That's really where they're watching this, right? Not well. I mean, I suppose people watch on their phones. I don't know, but um. <laughs> that actually brings up a good point, though. Like the microphones on phones, you know, like it's it's one thing I suppose to record all that shit, you know, on your cell and or Facebook Live at yourself or whatever, but you're not really getting it. Like the quality's not there. Well, um, that's true. I mean, the at the concert hall, the track numbers are up to about. 70 to 85 tracks were pushing on about 50 microphones on stage oh and you know the the insurance bill on those microphones is up to a hundred thousand pounds oh my god um <laughs> so, which is crazy and then we've got you know a six or seven hundred dollar cell phone with a little microphone <laughs> getting it out there quicker than anything but um there is a big difference um it, it's just it's just what it is at the moment we have to adapt right I would say the issue you run into is that it's more it's more people like the people who are sticking watching an entire concert or an entire event through their cell phone as they live stream or record it like they're they're not as concerned with actually enjoying the performance as they are trying to like leverage the performance into some kind of social accolade for themselves. Absolutely correct. Yes. And it's Which like, we do all the time, yeah, but that's okay. Uh, well, not really. I mean, even, <laughs> not from like, a, like, even when we record, like we've recorded stuff from like at like Winter Storm and stuff, and we literally just like set the camera, hit record, and then just like sat in the back and drank beers and watched the show. That's <laughs> because <laughs> drinking beer is way more rewarding than, than the, you know what I mean? Like, than, <laughs> so it's like one of those things where I think it's, it's a weird societal thing. I've been to, and this is, you know, it, it doesn't quite fully translate, but I've been to two weddings recently that had a strict like no cell phone rule during the ceremony That's a great idea. where it was like, we have hired photographers. We have hired videographers. Um, one of, one of them, I was the best man. It's like, if you pull your phone out, Josh will tase you. Like, 
<laughs> it's not a. It's not even a joke. Like he will literally tase you, <laughs> dude. I see people record funerals. Like that on is phone. insanity. It's to so me. common yeah. now that it's like blows my mind. Like you're gonna watch this again? Yeah. Like, like just enjoy. Just like go through the, the experience and be done. Does with the it. does the dopamine <laughs> does the dopamine hit of you live streaming G Paw's funeral? Like, is it really worth it? <laughs> I don't understand it. Like, just sit down and sit down and be one with your emotions for a bit. I know we say this a lot. Like, we 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 try to talk about pipers that aren't very good and tell them like there's always somebody watching and recording you and even at funerals they there's are always recording fucking watching and recording yeah but uh so i wanted to, <laughs> i'm going to uh spend a lot of this time when we talk to mr blair uh sucking him off because i'm a huge fan uh but Fusco, you don't have <laughs> you don't have nearly the stamina or attention to the needs of others to no, properly no not suck him off no it's, it's all about me yeah it's, I'm, I'm a very selfish, selfish lover yeah you're too selfish <laughs> But uh, one of the one of the the the, the uh, C- I keep calling it CDs, but like that's how old I am, I guess, because I still think in CDs. But one of the productions he did well, was it's still an album, no matter true, what format, true, right? True, like, yeah. but uh, the uh, the shots uh, recording of I don't remember if it was called the Boom, but the one they did with the French Brigade Band and all that. You did oh, that, yeah, man. That was the one. Oh, that was the yeah, one you the, used to have. The Boom Cost, yeah. Yeah, like I didn't realize you were the the guy behind that, or at least the production guy behind God, that. That was like years ago too. So long. You, that was what fifteen years maybe? easily. Fifteen like, like fifteen years ago that you showed it to us, and you're like, guys, we got to do this. This is so good. That well, Rab Matheson, who's a very good personal friend of mine, but <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he, wrote, by very by very good personal friend, you mean the one time you tried to get an audio clip from him on the Dojo Cruise, he told you to fuck off. Well, no, I tried twice, <laughs> but I've, I've got audio clips. He's a great guy. But anyway, he wrote Laboom, but then he, but you guys together put together that concert. Well, I assume you had something to do with, with it, but, uh, they, they brought in a French brigade band and like, that was one of my very early influences in piping. Granted, I'm not a giant fan of brigade, but either way, like that was a great production. Like I love that CD. Yeah, it was good. I mean, it was a interesting experience because um the language barrier in, in sound check and rehearsal was unbelievable <laughs> there was virtually uh, little communication only through the music and um they put the show together the the baghead briac was the band i think it was a briac or baghead yeah briac yeah and um you know they had some tracks well well accomplished tracks just going on and then one of the tracks that also highlighted to me that night was um, Jim Kilpatrick's drum corps. I mean, he stood mm-hmm. at the front of the stage and, and just let it rip. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it was a, a very entertaining show. Really good. But as I said, the language barrier was quite challenging. That, was, that sounds like my nightmare to try to set up a studio recording with people who do not speak my Half language. Half the band is French. Yeah. <laughs> Don't like, speak English. Like this, like, like when I, like, uh, I used to think I could speak Spanish pretty well until I started working for a healthcare company. And then, like, I'd get calls or, like, asking me, like, where do I find a good gynecologist who can deal with my pap smear in Spanish? And I'm like, I don't know any of these words. <laughs> like, I heard where. <laughs> like, could you imagine doing that, like, as a studio recording and everyone speaking French? And it's like, how do you say, di- how do you say DI box in, in French? Like, I don't know. <laughs> well, I don't think they needed to know DI box in particular, but, but man, those friggin' uh, bagad things are loud, right? I mean, they're. I mean, I suppose pipes are loud, but man, uh, it's essentially like they play a channer with their mouth. It's kind of like what, what it is, essentially. I mean, they're, they're incredibly loud, incredibly loud. And 
one of the nice things about the Bagot Band is they really get into the music where, you, you know, we see on stage, you know, the, the pipe band standing very much at attention or it's whatever, like a, or maybe like an oil tap painting. of the foot. The Bagot guys <laughs> are swinging and swaying and really getting the groove. Yeah, yeah, they, they get into it, which is cool because like, Pipers, I, I don't know if that's a Scottish influence where they're so, they're just stone-faced and nobody moves. And next time next time we play a contest where we, uh, we have to play sh- for sheets, which, you know, don't be wrong. We're gonna we're gonna easily play another piping contest in twenty twenty two. Like once we <laughs> play that, we're gonna just oh, we're, we're gonna, gonna go full wicked tinkers. I'm gonna Aaron <laughs> Shaw like over the fence, like climb around on the bleachers. There you go. Like, just <laughs> what, why not? Right? I don't know. But <laughs> but uh, yeah. What's how do you record a bagad when it's so like do, you, your microphones must be like forty feet away, right? I mean, how do you do something like that? Well, generally the concerts, you put the microphones quite close. Not not too close, but the bagads, if there's enough microphones on stage, something will pick it up. You go on that, right, you go sure. on that sort of uh, on method. But the bagads, yeah, they cut through everything. The frequency, they cut through everything. They're at a, they're at a higher um, general height anyway, so the chanter mics are good for the – and the drone mics pick up the, the ambience of the room. So you just got to make sure that the, um, the channels aren't clipped <laughs> the gain is not too high and uh, you only get one chance at a concert. So you kind of hope for the best too. Sure. Yeah. Would you, okay, let's bring this back to like a, again, our audience is mostly shitty pipers in no God, nowhere. Audience and hosts really yeah, for that yeah. matter. Yeah. yeah. But like if somebody rec- wants to record themselves, any, any like quick tips you would like to give to somebody like to the average grade four guy that's going to post their nonsense on YouTube practice. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't want to step on you there, Murray. It's all you. You got it, brother. No, no, no. Look, look, we all started the pipes somewhere. So, and it's it's generally in our local band or whatever, whatever level they might be. So we all started somewhere. I think experiment. If you're using a cell phone, don't get the cell phone too close to the chanter and put it up sort of around about chest height so you can get pick up the drones and the chanter will sound will always cut through it would really cut through anyway so right. you want to pick up some of the room noise and uh not noise room sound and yeah make sure that um it's not just all chanter and you're not too close to it that's that's the real basics of it if if you've got a little bit of money then two microphones would be good they don't have to be overly expensive microphones as long as you place them in the right spot and right. uh your pipes sound good that's that's a big thing as well Oh, well, we can't help them with that. <laughs> These are YouTubers after all. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let me take this back because how the hell did we get Murray Blair on the show today? I have no idea. Well, let's tell that story, shall we? Oh, so, okay. And Murray won't remember this probably because he's got more important things to think about. But we were, uh, I was in Kansas City, of course, with Piper's Dojo at uh, Piper's Storm. Dojo University. No, Piper'sDojo.com. No, false. Uh, Channerant.com. <laughs> Damn it. Suck less. I always get it wrong. You have one job. <laughs> Listen, if you want to suck less at the pipes, go to Channerant.com. Slash suck less. There okay. you go. Anyway, so I was at Winter Storm with them. And uh, I was with Andrew and we were going over to the church to start to like look at set how we were going winter steam set up for the winter steam and we needed to get the camera set up and stuff and anyway so we're riding in the car with cliff who runs the hall of winter uh, storm and then this other gentleman who i had no idea who it was and we're driving over and then we talked to the church guy and andrew or somebody's introducing everybody and they introduce mr blair to uh to the church guy he's like oh this is murray blair and i'm like i kind of do a double take and i'm like Wait did i just hear that right and so we leave the church and we're walking down to somewhere else. And I turn to Murray and I say, 
Are you the Murray Blair? <laughs> do you remember this, Murray? I do. I do. It was cold outside. <laughs> it was cold as shit. And we're walking outside, and I was like, are you the Murray Blair? Because I know who he is very well. But I've never seen him before because he's a goddamn recluse, and you can't find a picture of him anywhere. <laughs> he's, he's like the he's like the Yoda, dude. Like you gotta. <laughs> he's on Planet Dagobah down in Australia. Like nobody can find the guy. Uh, <laughs> it's one. It's great. It's wonderful. <laughs> but I'm like, holy shit! And this, and I said to him, it's an honor to meet you. Like I'm a giant fan. Like you know, he wrote a bunch of tunes, yeah. and of course, significantly involved in Victoria Police, which was highly influential in my piping career back, in especially the, the albums. Well, the, yeah, absolutely. You know, so. Uh, and then we got talking in the um, green room, I guess you could call it, but like the special room where all the uh, the instructors and the high level guys and uh, Stephen McWhorter was there. He ignored the shit out of me. But um, what the fuck, Stephen? <laughs> we already said we're sorry. <laughs> we're sorry, man. It was a joke. Uh, anyway, God, what a cunt. <laughs> for fuck's sake, man. Oh, there we go again. God damn it. Bleep that out. Anyway, so we Murray and I got talking, and 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 Mr. Blair says to me, he's like, "Oh, you guys, you're, you're that Las Vegas." guy like that does those videos and then he's like man i don't want to give josh props he's talking about the las vegas pipe band videos not not chanarad he hadn't he didn't really know of us we don't have a lot of videos for chanarad no but he had seen them and he was like wow this is uh, do you want to would you repeat what you told me more or less your your general feelings about those oh you're testing me there but i liked them i mean they they're well put together well thought out and um yeah well produced i was impressed they were entertaining it's what a, we, that's what we aimed for. Yeah. yeah. And and uh, he was asking me a lot of questions. I'm like, well, you know, it's a lot of Josh. I'm just kind of the, <laughs> I'm the muse. I'm the guy that's in the front, like that's doing the shit. Well, getting, but you're, you're, the, you're the one that I'll be like, okay, we're going to do this. And you're like, that's the stupidest idea ever. I was like, yeah, but do it. <laughs> and I'm generally up for anything. Almost obviously yeah. anything. Well, I, I also get you hammered before we shoot 90% of those. True. That's very true. That helps. It makes you much more malleable. That's an old Hollywood secret, kids. <laughs> If your if your actor doesn't want to do a thing because they think it's too stupid, just get him drunk. Get him drunk. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, if you ever watch any of the Las Vegas pipe band videos, ninety four percent of the time, I'm pretty ham. You're pretty drunk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like you can't tell for the most part, but both to, of us. I had to butter you up for a lot of those. Like that time, I like you put oatmeal in my mouth and I had to throw up. <laughs> <laughs> throw up oatmeal. Uh, that was, was a good one. Fairly too. drunk during uh, that. The, all the driving scenes, I was very drunk. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. False. <laughs> False. Oh, come on. We, we would never do yeah. that. Uh, I, I, I will say, uh, I show, oh God, what, what, what was the one? I showed two of them to my girlfriend recently that she'd never seen before. It was the t-shirt one mm-hmm. where you had the dollar bills taped to your entire body as a mm-hmm. shirt. Mm-hmm. And then I showed her the uh, whiskey tasting one. We we're just spitting That's a great in one. each other's face. Yeah. Yeah, uh, those were fun ones. <laughs> those were great. The whiskey tasting was a fun one to do. Yeah, where yeah. Murray, are you a drinker? I don't actually know this. Yeah, yeah, I, okay. I, I like. Are you also pounding myself? a four loco right now? <laughs> are you pounding four locos like we are? <laughs> what was that? Sorry, are you pounding four locos like we are? It's a energy drink. It's really terrible. It's you a blue ras. It's fourteen percent wow. alcohol. Not really. I mean, it's 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 a Monday morning and. Um, <laughs> We just sort of finish breakfast and but, that, which but you know, time doesn't, doesn't matter these the, days. The uh, enjoyment of it all, but um, no, it's it's thinking about something later on in the day. You've got me thinking now. <laughs> there you go. But uh, um, so we were drinking. What's that stuff called? Old Smuggler. Have you ever had Old Smuggler Scotch? It's called Old Smuggler. I'm not joking. Ooh, I, 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 think I don't I've, think you can I get it I've anywhere. Bottle, yeah. I believe it's made in Argentina, from what I hear. That's so or it's bottled in Argentina. It obviously has to be made in. Well, Scotland. it's made. No, it's made in a. It's made in a. 
be able to call to be able to call horn toilet. Well, yeah, yeah, but somewhere in Scotland, in order to be called Scotch, it has to be a venue. Yeah, and the Argentinians really care about that rule, but they love it. There's an Argentinian <laughs> commercial. It's all in Spanish of old smuggler, and it's like it, it's supposed to be like the classiest stuff ever, right? And it's it it's comes, turpentine. It's turpentine. It's in a plastic bottle. It's it is so the worst bad. shit you've ever had. So we did this whole video where we whiskey tasted uh, this old, old smuggler. smuggler. Yeah. I highly recommend everybody should at least try it. I actually saw it in a grocery store recently here in Vegas. I was shocked as shit that it was there. <laughs> I can tell the energy aspect is hitting you because you're talking faster. Oh, am I talking yeah, fast? I'm sorry. It's, it's coming in. <laughs> I'll slow down. I'll slow down. Sorry. Uh, you got any of those uh, tubules or whatever the fuck you guys call them? Nope. Uh, okay. So real quick, I think that we should get into some. We have some interview questions. We do. Foreigner, uh, we haven't Mr. even hit those yet, Mr. Murray Blair. Mm. No, I mean eh, we might, we may have like gotten some little bits like yeah. of here and there, but for sure, I think we should. We we got the man on. It's you know first thing in the morning. Yeah, for him. Um, so uh, why don't right. you start? Yeah. yeah, I'm curious. So, um, let's assume you weren't a piper and an audio engineer for piping related stuff. What would you? What would be your choice of uh, careers if you weren't doing that? What like? Ooh. Good, good question. Um, but this this might not relate to uh, the North American audience. I'd probably want to be a cricketer. Mm. Do you know what a cricketer is? Mm-hmm. I know what a cricket bat is because I've been hit with several. You mean playing cricket? I assume, but yeah, yeah, it's 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 growing up as one of the things you do as a, a school kid or whatever. So yeah, I'd love to be a cricketer. Really? But then you know, I look how they turn out. So I'm thinking, I nah, probably. Are they all like that's drug, just, drug that's addicts? A, that's or? a dream. <laughs> <laughs> How do they turn out? We're not familiar. Well, I think they finished their career by the time 34 years old. Just because um, they're beat to shit? And, yeah, yeah. Hmm. So, no, no. Um, uh, I don't know. Uh, maybe whiskey reviewer. <laughs> there you go. That's <laughs> there a you great go. idea. What a great, what a great gig that would be, huh? Um, something like that. But no, I'm pretty happy with the way it's gone. I mean, being a piper and audio engineer, it doesn't really feel like... It's been very fortunate. There's no doubt about that. But I, I really don't feel like I've actually got a job yet. It's been good. If you love what you do, you never work a day in your life, right? Right. That's how I feel. Do you <laughs> it's still, been lucky. Do you still write tunes? Yes. Still write tunes. Why, it's on and off. It's not as frequent as it used to be uh, when I was in the pipe band, but I still write tunes. Absolutely. We're, so, is this considered your sophomore slump? Like twenty years later, like where where are the <laughs> <laughs> the next the where's next the Murray next, Blair book? Yeah, where's the next Murray Bear Blair book? Like of where you have like so many hits. I think I think my motivation's a little different now. I mean, motivation during the pipe band time was for the pipe bands and everything to do with the pipe band. But I think I'm more motivated for myself. It says, "Oh, I've got this tune for my own enjoyment." Um, <laughs> maybe maybe just got a little bit complacent about sharing them or whatever. Oh well, maybe. So your your skin isn't as thick anymore. Like it's you're just like ah, I can't take the critique because pipers are notoriously horrible to each other, right? I mean, as far as Cool. Oh, it's notorious. I think it's in lesson four of learning the pipes. <laughs> Be shitting to every other piper. You know. yeah. It's in the green book. It says it, I swear. <laughs> See, I'm glad to know that I made it past lesson four because I just thought I was shitting everyone because I hated everybody. No, you're you're the worst, man. You learned that lesson well. <laughs> that, that reminds yeah. me. Of, I, just, I just want the strong to survive. That's all. <laughs> that reminds me of yeah. a, a story, Murray. Like uh, when I was 
Okay, so we haven't really talked about Master Blasters, and we will because that was because it's a phenomenal record. <laughs> it's phenomenal, it's so good. But like when I was first learning, I started learning in the year two thousand, and like I say, I moved to Vegas like within a year, and then I started learning here. But we we had a teacher that would come out, and I won't say his name, but and like we would all talk about how cool Master Blasters was. Everybody wanted to play everything off of that, right? Because that was just so good at the time. Fucking and, nerds. Yeah, oh, yeah, big time. <laughs> and, like, I remember we had this one instructor who would come in who was, like, a pro-level P-Brock-type player, like, typical... I'm interested typical, to know I'll tell later. you after the yeah. fact. But, uh, <laughs> and, he, and he just slagged the shit out of the Master Blasters album. Because... <laughs> oh. Looking back on it now, it was just pure. I realized it jealousy. was jealousy. Yeah, but like at the time, I'm like, oh well, maybe this because I just assumed this guy knows everything about everything because you know if he knew piping, then he must know more than me. So oh, this album must suck. I guess I don't know. And he used to say things like, oh, they don't play any embellishments. Uh, there's only like six guys in the studio. They recorded it really quick, really simply. Blah. He, I remember this stuff specifically because I'm like, this is the greatest album I've ever heard. Like up to that point, you know. So <laughs> it has to be like someone like going to like Led Zeppelin form. Like they only had three mics on the drums. <laughs> Fuck them. Like <laughs> John Bottom doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> oh, so uh, do you have any? Did you used to get like shit back then? I mean, what what were the like the high level guys? Were they just shitting on you constantly? Like for what you guys were doing at the time? Um, there was a bit, there's no doubt there was a bit, but if you really take a close listen to all the bands in that era, they were all pretty much doing the same, mm-hmm. um, in, in terms of the music and embellishments or whatever. I mean, I think it's, I think it's different now. Um, the top bands are incredible, but back then, yeah, we copped a fair bit of flack for a few things, but in terms of the music, there was probably a lot more work in the music than what people understood as well. Mm-hmm. in terms of embellishment and technique. Um, in the early era of the big place, probably the early 90s, yeah, there, there was certainly there were fans and there weren't fans. But as, as the band went on, the acceptance got there a little bit more, the excitement got there a little bit more, and it, it was just it's just another form of, form of pipe music mm-hmm. by a pipe band from a different part of the world showing their style. So I don't, I don't really know what the real traditionals worry about or anything. It's just... It's just another form of the music. Yeah, yeah. What was it like? Like it, it's at the end of the day. Like no matter what you get at the time of release, like what has stood the test of time, right? Like mm-hmm. everyone, everyone can shit on you mm. when the thing comes out, but if it's still hailed, however many years later, yeah. Then who was who was right in the eyes of history? Well. I, there's always the the quick reaction versus the long term reaction, of course. You know, and like Vic Please came out of nowhere to a certain extent to win that in '98, and then Master Blasters happened, and then like they were like the greatest thing ever, and I'm sure Scotland fucking hated that. <laughs> I don't know, but <clears throat> that was what '98. Well, when they won was '98. When did the album come out? Like 2000, roughly. No, no, it was all it was all ninety eight. Oh, was it ninety eight? So 90, 97, 98, but it was all ninety eight, and then the band didn't so, come back in ninety nine. So, so, <laughs> so there, there did go. it fall apart? What happened? So that that twenty twenty two years later, uh, still talking about it, and who the fuck else <laughs> is, is is around doing that kind of still shit? Still one know? of like, the ones that everybody recommends. Like, all right, if you're in piping, you got to go listen to this. Yeah. Um, but what happened like in 99 was that, that Nat Russell guy, he's just like, fuck this. I, I, I hate you guys. What happened? No, it was a little, it was, it was fairly in depth. I mean, 
a large number of the band were full-time, including myself, full-time piper in the police force. And the police direction changed where the focus uh, was probably more on, well, a greater focus on budget cuts. Um, the band wasn't funded to go to Scotland to compete. I mean, the band raised its own money like any other normal civilian pipe band but realistically watching a police band go overseas when you know there are other things in the local area we are in it really didn't justify uh promoting the fact that oh a band is off to scotland rather than a band is going down the road for the local street march so it was the end of the time it was a time that the police force said no more traveling no more competitions not even local competitions in our area it, it, your non-competing pipe band now. And the, the Vic Police Band is still exists yeah. now. They still do gigs and, and think, well, not right now, obviously, because of the, the restrictions, but they've been going on ever since doing charities and uh, yeah. all local <clears throat> events, like that sort of thing. So that's what happened. 1999 no, didn't come back. We, we knew the writing was on the wall anyway in, in the start of 98. This would be the final year. It was, yeah, so... We never went back, and it was kind of part of the story of the band. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Uh, and and this shows my ignorance, but so the Victoria Police Pipe Band, it's not like a service band. Like, you guys aren't all no, cops. they are. No, well, there's civilians in there, but it is a police-funded and sponsored, whatever you want to call it, organization. Interesting. So, but not all the pipers they, are cops. No. Some of them. No. Well, the part, it, yeah, at the time of the pipe band the, in the 90s, yeah, there was probably 95%. All sworn uh, police officers, which is for a, playing drums and pipes. That was, your, that was your special uh, operation. That was so, your special skill to do in the police force. So, so my question all the is: events. One, were you a cop when you were in the band? And two, what was the most naked person you ever arrested? <laughs> <laughs> well, well I, I was a police officer in the band. Yes, I wow. was a constable and. Uh, we just played pipes. That was our job. That was. That was <laughs> you, you didn't have to, to arrest do. a naked person. <laughs> Damn, you missed uh, out. No, no. missed out. <laughs> I mean, I just no. saw a naked person get arrested running down my street yesterday. Like they, and trust me, when you get slammed into asphalt, you do not want to be naked. Oh my god, I can't even imagine. Right. Yeah, Vic, and you made it back for the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and my face is still fine. I tilted. I tilted my head up. <laughs> Man, Vic, Vic Police, man, like uh, good, good, like they were actual for the most part. You know, ninety five, like you said, ninety five percent police officers, and they were actually good, unlike Glasgow Police or, or PSNI. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, sorry, sorry. Hey, uh, this is why I can't open my own mail. Uh, so, so, you, <laughs> uh, so we let's see. We have a couple questions here. Let's see. Um, let's get to one of the. Audience questions? Audience questions. Yeah. yeah let's see. Um, so our good friend, Honey Bourbon, who is from Melbourne as well, he plays with Hawthorne Police, uh, he, he wanted to know this. What's it like being such a big dick legend? Who, 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 who's the question to? You. <laughs> I mean, he already knows <laughs> what makes us legends. <laughs> uh, I, I, I really don't know. He also I, he also I, wants I, to know well, if never, he, he also wants to know if you can give him any uh, advice on I being a legend. The, I don't I'm not qualified to answer. <laughs> <laughs> he does want to know if you can give him any advice on becoming a legend. He's currently working hard to become a legend in the pipe. Um, Phenomenal probably, player too. 
probably get in touch with a, a legend for, to, for a mentor, <laughs> I guess. Uh, I'm you, lost. He also just added this to the end. He's like, uh, can you give him any advice on uh, how he can get a bigger dick? Oh, totally. Totally. <laughs> that, he, he's, is he on the wrong show? Uh, oh, he's on the very much the right show. He's on we, the right show. <laughs> we don't know the answer. That's why we keep asking everybody that's uh, our guest. But no, uh, <laughs> Honey Bourbon Legend uh, in Hawthorne Pride Band. We love uh, you. Yeah, the, the he's going to be a future the Aussie you, Ginge. Did you see his post recently? He's going to be either win or fail the week once I listen to it. Oh, is he posting some tunes? He posted like for the COVID nineteen that people are all sharing themselves playing. So yeah, um, you know what? This would be a great opportunity to do is play a little bit of. Murray playing because Murray you mentioned earlier well off the show that you had to stop playing the actual pipes for for a reason right well I stopped yeah I stopped playing in a pipe band and obviously competing I, I competed solos for a number of years after the after the police um, but yeah I stopped I had a condition called focal dystonia which I still got uh, and it's affected quite a number of pipers around the world but um, yeah I still play I don't really I don't compete I don't play in a pipe band but can still play at home. Was this the driving force behind the Blair Channer? Is this why this knock out was, a few tunes? Was was the Blair Channer such a like a big thing because of that? Like, how does that relate? Well, not really. I mean, focal dystonia affects the fingers, so you know the actual oh, okay. pipes or whatever. I still get the pipes out or whatever, but obviously the digital channer. One of the motivations behind that was um, a good friend, Roddy McDonald, was doing a lot of piping a lot of um recording and i've spent so many years in recording studios seeing money wasted for pipers tuning up and just going down the drain rather than actual playing the music so the motivation was to create a chanter like could go into a studio studio quality that you could play really quickly and just focus more on the music and get the music down rather than focusing on tuning up for three hours then hitting (laughs) the record button for three and a half minutes (laughs) right yeah Here's 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 what I what I've taken from this in the subtext is that he didn't trust uh, other audio engineers to be able to record an actual bagpipe, <laughs> so just put make it electronic. Yeah, yeah. He's removing he's removing the audio engineer from the situation. He's like, I was like, yeah, these idiots nowadays they just need an XLR output and they'll take it. <laughs> no, well, actually, I was thinking of the colleagues who who kind of sit there in the downtime, you know, in the studio, wondering have they tuned up yet? Are they in tune yet? Are they in tune? <laughs> you know, you got about uh, three minutes to get this right. <laughs> that was the, yeah. the the time I learned that I have to wear ear protection was I was recording I, I went to play uh, pipes on a CD it was like this like world music CD I remember this yeah. and I went and played pipes and like as I'm tuning up and like getting everything set the audio engineer like clicks the clicks the mic he's like hey buddy he's like yeah he's like I, I'm like 15 at the time he's like do you wear ear protection while you're playing those I was like no and he's like you need to. <laughs> They're insanely loud. Yeah, he's like, like the, he's like, it's like you're clocking like 130. You need to, <laughs> you need to fucking wear ear pro. And I was like, all right, thanks, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But look uh, after your ears. It's important. Oh, big time, man. So I thought uh, let's uh, let's take a few minutes. Let's listen to a track because uh, everybody asks. Uh, Mr. Blair, if he still plays, right? Because you, you don't get to, well. One, he's a recluse, and you never see him yeah, anywhere. He's but Yoda. also, he—he's he, Yoda. <laughs> you don't see him anywhere, and he—he uh, he does want to say to the world, "I still play." Uh, check this shit out, motherfuckers. Uh, he literally said that to me in his okay email. perform. Uh, yeah, so that's, we're, that's superb. We're gonna we're gonna bev up while this track plays, and we'll be back in about 
I don't know, four minutes.
Holy hell, people. Dude. <laughs> Ripping it. I have a question. What is it like to be able to play approximately 4 minutes and 15 seconds of jigs without making a mistake? I've never had that experience. <laughs> There's a few mistakes in there. Is there? There are a few, there are a few mistakes in there, yeah. See, as a um, inter- very persistent intermediate player, uh, like even your mistakes, I'm like, all right, his artistic... <laughs> choice during the process <laughs> was like all right, license I just kind of go with it it's not a mistake right? yeah I just go with it because it's like alright he's holding this note okay he's making a choice he's gonna do something different and, that's you know. called making mistakes like a professional absolutely so important man um, I <clears throat> one of the greatest okay my personal favorite solo ever put on tape of all time is from Master Blasters Danny Boyle's solo that's on that goddamn album it is in my opinion the greatest solo ever put on tape what? Who is Danny Boyle? Is that where because the fuck everyone is else is that because everyone else no longer puts their solos on tape and they just record them <laughs> digitally <laughs> like a normal person? Actually, that's a good question. Did you record this to tape back then? This is in the '90s, so this is still tape time. It would have been tape. It, well, actually, no, it wasn't. What? It no. was digital. It was digital. Uh, but it was a funny scenario because it was a digital machine, digital multi-track taken into an analog studio. So you know these big tape machines are just there sitting there and we had a digital multi-track there wow. and that's what it was recorded onto so danny um danny was a guest piper in the big police he was in the band for a number of years um a very good piper probably one of the younger members at the time and yeah he came in and he he ripped a couple of solos out that fucking solo is so goddamn good and i've heard of, i saw youtubes of him doing it live and he changed it slightly but um like who is he and where is he now like i've never heard of him since so Danny grew up and he learned his piping in Victoria, in Melbourne. Um, and he, after the police, I think he played in a couple of other bands, local bands in Nutterwadding. Went to this, I think, he's, I think they call them Australian Highlanders. That's what they call them. Um, I was in Scotland at the time when he had those, so I'm not too familiar. And then um, I don't think it didn't end well, the Australian Highlanders. And I haven't seen Danny since. I don't know if he's piping now at all, but yeah, amazing piper. He's, he's good talent. It'd be such a shame. I don't know if he's piping now. Yeah. Such a shame if he wasn't, that's for sure. But, um, yeah, it is. It is. So I guess when we come back from, from hearing you play, I want to give you the opportunity to, um, take credit for all the success of the Vic police in the nineties. Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's time. It's time that you just say, like, yeah, it was me. <laughs> it was all me. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was a lot of people. It was a lot of people. The, yeah. the, the, the people involved in that band that you, you'd that never hear of, you know, the guys who tuned the drones and the guys who did other things or whatever to make it all happen. It was a lot of people. Uh, one, one of our audience members wanted to know... <laughs> um, Especially, I guess, back in the 90s in particular, but in the time frame when you won the Worlds and, and the Mass Blasters came out and everything. But uh, what did it feel like to be in Mark Saul's shadow all those years? <laughs> <laughs> it, well, it, it was kind of funny because I think Mark left the band in the early 90s. And the band oh. got good after that. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Man, he's got so much credit for what happened to the Vic Police, though, doesn't he? Oh, totally, totally. Um, instrumental in some of the identity of the band. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. What? What are? 
what are some of your actually if you could narrow it down to one if you could give our audience a recommendation because ultimately that like 1998-ish medley that you guys did with opening with Jimmy's Gift which is what we opened with today poorly but you know hey we did it and uh, who's we I mean you, you played <laughs> and, ed- and ending with my maybe arguably one of the greatest ending tunes of all time the I, I'm going to say this wrong because I always get it wrong but Edg- Edgewin's Digi Place how do you say that it Edwin, 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 Digi Place, arguably yeah. one of the greatest closers of all time. Like, um, what? W- pick a medley other than your own that would be like something as a recommendation. Like, this is this is amazing. This is really interesting to me. Oh yeah, um, I think Song and Fraser, nineteen eighty-seven. They marched in. I think with Murdoch McAllister or the Cuckoo, and then played um, Money Musk or Moral Castle, then into Three Reels. It was. Fantastic, and I think they ended oh, another Neil Dickey tune right at the end of the medley. I mean, that, to me, that was inspirational. 78th Fraser Highlanders, 1987 as well, um, up to the line medley, and the year after as well, uh, Copperhill Studio medley. Some of those things just really stand out, really influential in the time I, I was listening to Pipes as a young lad. Right. That's really too much information, isn't it? To, to <laughs> There's no such thing on this show. No, we, that's, we, that's we don't. We don't do really TMI was. here. <laughs> oh, don't even get us into your. Oh, I won't go there. It's too. It's it's classless. We're gonna be classy on this. We're, we're trying to be. It's a. Cla- it's it's the classy episode. <laughs> so you've developed an. As we drink, <laughs> we're blue drinking blue for loco. Blue. Yeah, this shit is like something you see out of a goddamn Star Wars movie, right? <laughs> Like, we pour it into a glass. It's like, why am I drinking this nonsense? Never seen anyone hammered in Star Wars. <laughs> no, they're always sober. How is that? How is Han Solo sober? They're not drinking know. enough blue. I guess not. But uh, you've developed an, numerous products, apps, whatever, all kinds of different stuff. Um, one of the first things that I remember in particular, at least in my career, was the HBT tuner, right? That was... Yeah. Yeah. And then you put it onto an app once the once phones smartphones become a significant thing do you yeah. feel are our phones what do you think is better having a separate like uh, tuning thing versus a phone like are the mics on a phone good enough I've heard rumors that because the mics on a phone are so good that that's really a great way to do it I, I but I don't really know the answer to that uh, I don't think so I don't think the microphone is any better on the phone. I mean, if you really have a listen to the, the tone of what the microphone is picking up, it's mostly for drones, right? So if you have a listen to the tone of what the microphone's picking up, it doesn't sound that great. So it doesn't really matter what sort of microphone you're picking up using to, to do that detection. So I guess whatever's most convenient to you. I mean, one of the greatest um, pitch lines uh, people use this, you know, oh, we've developed something in the tuner that's more accurate and better than anything else. Well, there's no actual proof of what they've developed or anything like it. It's just a saying. So mm-hmm. a microphone is a little bit the same. They say, well, this microphone will pick up better. They say, why? Well, I can't tell you. Most microphones that they use in tuners and phones tend to be omnidirectional as well, right. which they'll pick up everything in the room instead of the direct sound. So right. I, I I think you can get the best results out of a $5 microphone than a $400 microphone. The only difference will be you're out of pocket a bit more. <laughs> Is that just because it's more, it's because it's cheaper. It's only going so far. So it's more specific to what you're going to what you're actually trying to pick up. 
Um, it picks up the frequencies that needed to be picked up correctly. Um, and I think there are bigger companies in the world like um, Korg, for example, have made millions of tuners um, that have proven that, you know, a small microphone, uh, a microphone only detects the frequency. It's what you do with the frequency and how you process and analyze and, mm -hmm. and reinterpret that afterwards as well. I mean, we can go down to point one of a frequency. We can go to nine decimal points or even infinite decimal points on a digital tuner of a frequency. It's how well you can hold those those numbers as well. That, that's the very variable in the whole equation there. Right, sure. Yeah, okay. I think, you know, the bottom line with tuners myself is if your pipes sound good and they sound in tune, whatever you use, stick with it. Right. Yeah, like it's just a tool in the end. It worked whatever works for you, right, in the end, I suppose. Yeah, it's it's more about the person on, on the bagpipe rather than the tool in the hand. Right. So you also developed, of course, the one that's, well, the, the Blair uh, digital channer, which we're now on. Is it the second generation? Are we on... 2G at this point? <laughs> no, it's 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 just the original. Oh, it's still okay. the original. Yeah. So that thing's pretty fascinating because I've played with it, but it's like, oh, Bill, Bill played on. Bill it. has or, it. Yeah, One Bill played guy. on the show, and that was it was phenomenal. Yeah, it's not a contact. It's not a metal contact. It's one. not like a little weird plastic stick with metal leads. Yeah, it doesn't read your electricity connection. I don't know. I don't know how the fuck it works, but <laughs> it's pretty fascinating. But it's super cool. Um, but uh, where did the inspiration for that come from? Why? Well, as I mentioned earlier, that came from um, a good friend of mine, composer Roddy McDonald. Um, he he was living in Japan, needed something to play in the house, needed something that sounded like a real bagpipe, felt like a real bagpipe um, to write tunes on. That was a composition tool and a, a, a powerful composition tool. I mean, it's with MIDI inside it and the reverb and the amount of functions inside. It's got to be a professional instrument. I mean, that's a sort of sort of a platform we want to aim at, to be on par with like a keyboard or a professional guitar, to be able to do more than it with it if you had to mm -hmm. than just play the tunes. So the concept came from Roddy, um, obviously wanting to record, wanting to share files quickly, wanting to be able to teach as well and... Mm -hmm have something that sounded real. Now it's real sounds in it. Um, it's real sound samples all tuned. So that's that's the basis of it. The holes were a big factor, having something that you can adjust each hole to suit your fingers. That was a, a very big thing because, you know, we've all got different fingers. We all move our fingers differently. So to be able to tune the instrument how you play, mm -hmm. uh, it was a big consideration. Um, and to be able to feel like a real bagpipe. Uh, with the with actual holes, you know, right, not right. not the other um, variety. I, look, I, I think the other varieties have their place as well, um, and I played one for many years. But there was limitations, um, and this is why this, this is a different offering on the market. Well, wait, wait, can I? Am I okay? Uh, <clears throat> I'm pretty low code. <laughs> that means low. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. I uh, can I. Can I be mean and nice at the same time? Absolutely. This because, is what we do here. Because uh, one, like, so Bill brought his Blair Chanter, mm -hmm. and we played it on episode like I don't know ten episode ten thirty. I don't I don't know. Time time has no meaning. <laughs> time has no meaning anymore. Uh, but like a long time ago, he brought his Blair Chanter, and it sounded really good. Like the small pipes thing sounded good. Mm -hmm. Like I mean, it all sounded like it sounded like real pipes. 
So how is it that you can have one device that's like this big mm-hmm. that has good bagpipe sound, good chanter sound, good small pipe sound, and then the people I see that like tour and play with electric bagpipes sound like dog ass like every <laughs> time. Why do they, in what way do they sound like dog I ass? I don't know. Dude, it just sound it sounds like it sounds horrible. Like and I'm maybe they're using a different device. I don't know. Like I've I've never heard an electric bagpipe that I thought sounded good. Ever. Well, I mean, to a certain extent, they all sound electronic, kind of, because when you change notes, it's got that, like, issue. It, like, it I liked, I liked, I liked, I liked the Blair Channer, even though it didn't have, like, the whole apparatus and well, all like that the red pipe shit thing, yeah. that makes it look, makes it look like you're actually, actually playing bagpipes. But, like, yeah. dude, I was just editing a bunch of video with, like, people who were playing real pipes and also playing electric pipes. I'm like... Mm-hmm. Electric pipes sound like crap. They just sound cheesy. Yeah, it sounds like a Casio keyboard version. It does of, sound like a Casio keyboard version of pipes. Yeah, I mean, I, I can imagine who you're referring to because I can think about it, but I, <laughs> um, I don't know. I guess it's the quality of the sampling, right, and how detailed the technology is for the software. It has I guess. to, I yeah. Know. Well, it has to be. It has to be the hardware. It has to be like the sensitivity of. Mm, I would say it's all software. Like this and Steve, I don't know. We have a professional on the line. Why don't we ask him? Yeah, like, I mean, knows. like, cause like, I mean, we played, we, we both no played, we both played bills and it sounded yeah. pretty good. Well, the small pipes sound good. The regular pipes never sound great. It's always the small it's pipes. It's never quite cool. the same. I don't yeah. know why that is, but do you have a thought yeah. on that, Murray? Yeah. Well, I think the main difference is one is synthesized and one is real samples. So one's, you know, software generated and the other one is real audio samples um, being embedded into a chip and that's what you're playing back. Uh, also, the other side of it is a lot of a lot of models are mo- uh, mono um, mm. and, you know, the Blair Digital One's stereo. So you've got that capability of spreading the sound as well. In, in a professional setup like a PA or whatever, you can spread out your sound. So there, there are a couple of subtle differences. But if you liken it to an electric guitar, if you just plug an electric guitar into an amp, it's going to sound fairly dry and fairly direct. And you're thinking, hmm, this doesn't sound like uh, Metallica, does it? It's not until you start adding the effects and the treatments to the instrument that you can can get it sounding, wow, this is, this is what I really want. So that's what I would suggest to do with all these pipes is actually take the sound and then develop it into a proper big sound that you want and be happy with it. Right, okay. Guitar pedals are an easy way to start, and they're fun to buy. Oh, yeah, messing with your sound is always fun. I don't know why, but it just is. (laughs) It's like always hearing, like, I'm a, okay, so in normal life, like, other than pipes, I play drum set. But, like, getting, Mm. like, playing 17 million different snare drums is like, is like a, it's snare drum, it's like drummer porn, you know, it's like, all right, I want to hear this with a slightly different frequency or this or that or whatever it is, you know? There's always these little differences like, oh, that inspires me to make music again, whatever that difference is, you know? Um, so anyway, um, do you want to, do you have anything? Jeff? Oh yeah. So, uh, so we had another, uh, viewer, JD Ingram, who canceled this Patreon. That son of a bitch. <laughs> That's right. He's probably broke right now. <laughs> he asks, uh, you've, uh, okay. So he, this is to you, Murray. He says, yes. you've woken up after a long night of drinking and are told that to your surprise, you now have an ass tattoo of a pipe band logo, but it's not one you'd expect. 
What would you guess the blacked out you got inked? What's the question again? <laughs> <laughs> He's got no context for this at so, all. So the question is: uh, You go out, you get loaded. You, you you went out, you went, you got loaded, and you woke up with a logo of a pipe band tattooed on your ass that you didn't expect. What logo do you think it would be? The Bergen County Firefighters pipe band out of <laughs> New Jersey or New York. <laughs> Do you know the band? I, we do not. Do you, uh, tell us Tell us how you know them. Oh, you've got to look them up. Um, when I was in Scotland, I was um, producing an online piping show that's still going now. And we came across the Bergen County Firefighters Pipe Band, and they, they put out a CD. Um, and you've got to look it up. It's a fantastic CD, around about 2004, 2005, and probably one of the best album covers I think I've seen. I think it was called The Dirty Hose or something. Oh. <laughs> It was great. It was class. Uh, that, that CD brought a lot of enjoyment to the studio. I can imagine. All right, so we have one more question from the audience. And, and Fusco? Yeah, so, Murray, in regards to your digital channel, that is, like, all the rage now because everybody wants one. Yep. It sounds fucking good. Are they produced in China? Because, like, are, are we slowing down on the production possibilities of this right now? Where, where are these made? I'm curious. This is not the question, but I'm just curious. They're made... <laughs> the chant is made here with me in my house. Nice. That is fantastic, man. All right. So that's even better. So it's, it's, I'm a small business. I, I make, I make the chances here. Okay. And, um, yeah, they're made in Australia here. Me. <laughs> that's so amazing. So are, are you familiar with the, um, Piper's, oh, sorry, it's called the bra tuner. I believe it's made by Yuri, Yuri Chisholm. I believe it's a, fo- a cell phone app. Okay. Anyway, it's neither here nor there, but one of the things about the broad tuner is it has four different tuning choices that for the channer. So you can choose like the Seamus McNeil version of the channer versus the, I don't know, there's four different, tra- whatever they are, you know, anyway, the Andy Fusco version, the Andy Fusco, which is flat. Everything's terrible. So, uh, <laughs> so anyway, it relates to that. And this question relates to that. So, so, uh, this, this gentleman asked, so Murray, as far as downloadable instrument mods for the digital channer go, could we get a service band pipes mod? You know, like untuned drones, very sharp high A, unsteady blowing, little realism into the into the channer. Right. Do you need a do you need a tuner for that? <laughs> oh, that's I mean, uh, um, I mean, I have to approach a tuner like it's supposed to tune the pipes. <laughs> uh, to, to, um, Which would to not a standard be a that everyone's kind of happy with. <laughs> Which would not be a service band, unlike the Vic Police, because they are actually pretty good. Um, which reminds me, have you heard them do that? Um, oh, we played it on the show. It was uh, Police Academy. They, they just recently. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was awesome. That was Vic Police, by the way. Uh, they did a recording of the Police Academy theme. Did you hear that? No, I didn't. Was that recent, was it? Yeah, within the last year, for sure. It was very good, though. It's like remarkable yeah. tuning. They're very good, and they play the Police Academy theme. And it's like... Hey, if you're going to do something stupid, this is the way to do it. Do it right. Yeah. <laughs> so good, man. So good. But uh, yeah, anyway, um, man, it, it's absolutely amazing to have you on. I think we're. Oh, thanks. We should play him out with what I would uh, say is probably arguably one of the greatest things he's ever done, in my opinion. But uh, which relates to Master Blaster's CD. Um, okay. 
So, so uh, we're gonna end on music. Mm-hmm. So, real quick, uh, Murray, I want to thank you very much for coming on the show. Do you have any final thoughts you'd like to say to our horrible audience? Yeah, they're a bunch of cunts, so don't worry about it. Say anything you want. <laughs> well, thanks for listening. Thanks for taking the time to listen and suffering through uh, through my ranting and raving and um, just just whatever. It, don't take piping too seriously. Just enjoy yourself. It's it's music. That's phenomenal. That, uh, that's way too positive. <laughs> can, can you be can you be a little meaner? Just just be a little meaner for me. Go just, ahead. Just just real quick, call out Honey Boo Boo. Yeah, say Honey Bourbon's a cunt. Would you say that from? Well, well I, I don't even know the person. So. <laughs> Trust us, he's a cunt. <laughs> okay, I take your word. Uh, no, nah, I'm just kidding. Uh, Sco, uh, what what are your final thoughts for this week's episode? My final thoughts are this: it's absolutely amazing to have such a legend as Mr. Blair on Fuck the episode. Yeah, man, it's <laughs> so cool. Man. You you uh, you roll with the punches. Um, unlike Stephen McWhorter, you made my got the joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it, it's. I mean, as one of, the, in my opinion, probably one of the most influential tune writers and pipers and of the generation of about twenty years ago. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a negative, like a neg. I'm not trying to neg you, I promise. But like, man, so influential to the, that group of people that start learn pipes back then. Like, wow, this is what piping can be. You know? Oh, one. Hold on, I do have one question. I'm sorry, my students in my classes would kill me if I didn't ask this. What does Jimmy's gift mean? What is the idea behind the title what does that mean okay well I'm, I'm absolutely horrible with names it's just the worst part of um the whole process in my mindset but jimmy um was my grandfather moved to australia and unfortunately the criminal my cousins and i we never <laughs> no he wasn't a criminal. <laughs> not that we know of anyway. um but don't let the facts get in the way of a good story um so Jimmy, yeah, we we never met him, uh, and the only thing he ever had, he sort of left for the family, were his pipes, um, and the music with piping and all that. So it's a bit of a family thing. That and, makes um, sense. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a sentimental name. Yeah, I teach for until we until we find out that you know Jimmy might might have been sent here. <laughs> who knows who the, what we'll the actual gift it, was? Right. Uh, the gift could have been VD, for all we know. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, I, I teach a class at the uh, Piper's Dojo, and uh, we did Jimmy's gift recently. You can join people, that class if you go to chainrate.com slash class. Yeah, absolutely. And people were asking, what is the tune? I'm like, what, why is it named this? I'm like, actually, I have no idea. I've never that's phenomenal yeah i'm just curious so anyway but it's, it's absolutely amazing to have you on thank you so much for doing this yeah and we appreciate it man it's always nice to make new friends great thanks very much guys all right well uh cheers thank you very much for coming on murray uh skill thanks for surviving the apocalypse so far you're doing a pretty good job for We're a still alive. that uh, seems to have a cavalier attitude i very much so but um yeah we're gonna i think we should play out to one of murray's greatest things of all time well in that case thank you everyone who tuned in for this show uh so check us out at chainerant.com become a patron at patreon.com slash chainerant and sco place out yeah.